Mike Manning, coach extraordinaire. How is business going for you today? It's going well. It was funny last week when you were uh, on uh, a mission to make more money with a client. And it was just me and James in here. Just didn't have the pop with the music. Nobody was chair dancing. No one was chair dancing? (laughs) No, they weren't. Come on. Drago might have been in the other room, but (laughs) James and I were not. (laughs) Well, I miss Purple Comma Studio. I'm glad to be back here with you. We are glad to have you back. And um, we had one of our very rare snow days today in North Carolina, which... (laughs) For, we have a lot of listeners that are not in state, and for those of you that are not aware, when it snows here, everything shuts down, yes. and even virtual school was canceled today, which just cracks me up because it's virtual. Yes, and the roads were fine. There was yep. an inch of snow on the grass, Yep, and the roads were fine, yeah. and welcome to the south. Yeah, but my dog Elton is obsessed with the snow. He asked to go out all morning, just scratching at the door, scratching at the door. Got it. And then he got outside and he'd run through the snow and then he'd flip it up with his nose and like throw snowballs. And he was just having a little heyday. I loved it. But, you know, your dog. By the time we got here to record today, all the snow is pretty much gone. But our guest today is pretty far from the snow. Yes, she is. So we have a very, 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 very special guest all the way from the um, peninsula state of Florida, Miss Eileen Ryan. Ryan. Welcome, Eileen. I almost slaughtered your last name, even though you just told us the story about it. (laughs) No no worries. After the story of the snow, I figured, you know, everyone's stunned that I'm from South Florida. (laughs) But but I am from New Jersey in the New York City area, and I did my time in the snow belt. I went to school in Rochester, and I lived in Syracuse. so. So you know all of our pain. And I'm originally from Michigan, so... Snow is just part of, you know, six months out of the year. That's what you dealt with. And exactly. So I, so I earned my time in the snow belt. (laughs) Yes. And now you're getting to enjoy the warm days of Florida and the, um, the weird rain showers that happen that I'll never get used to. Yeah, the weather's a little strange down here. And if you don't like the weather, just wait 20 minutes. Yeah, and it changes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be on the beach and all of a sudden it would just start sprinkling and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, that was. Those four o'clock thunderstorms. Yep. Yeah. So, Not even four o'clock. It's just the 20 minute pass. Yeah. Yeah. And just wait 20 minutes and then, you know, it's all good <laughs> and it's sunny and it's beautiful again. Well, why don't you share with our guests what you do? What do I do? I am a professional recruiter. So I recruit for marketing and sales professionals in the industrial products B2B channels. So basically the engineering fields. Um, Prior to that, I was a marketing director and creative director myself. Uh, And I was a corporate trainer actually for years. And as I was learning the recruiting business 11 years ago, I noticed that people don't know how to market themselves properly. 
and people are getting ghosted and they don't know how to create a resume that's generating calls. They don't know how to navigate the job search process. They don't know how to interview. They just go in and wing it. And Mm -hmm. that's never good. That's never going to achieve success. So I created the program Pounding Pavement 101 to help people in their job searches. So I work both sides of the fence and I'm sharing those inside secrets from a recruiter's point of view. So I recruited for a while um, in the real estate industry and it never ceased to amaze me because I did the recruiting for our real estate agents, but I also did the internal hiring for our client service managers and admin staff. And um, as we were looking to grow our executive team, I was recruiting for like a marketing manager and, you know, as I was outgrowing my job responsibilities, trying to backfill and hire people for those roles. And I saw some of the craziest resumes. I had a gentleman email me a resume that I kid you not was over 20 pages long. I have seen those, especially the tech resumes. The tech resumes need to go that long. Let's just put that out there because everyone asks me, okay, how long should a resume be? It doesn't need to be the one pager, but certainly not 20 pages like you're talking about. Yeah. And for the role that he was applying for, it was completely inappropriate to send me a 20 page resume. So my first question for you is what is the strangest resume you've ever seen? Strangest resume. I have really seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I've seen resumes that go on for pages and pages and with multiple fonts and, (laughs) and nothing is highlighted and it's just straight text. And look, as a recruiter, I'm looking at a minimum of 500 resumes a day. That's just the reality of the situation. So do the math. You have about five seconds to catch my attention. Otherwise I go on to the next resume. It's that simple. That's the ultimate elevator pitch, isn't it? (laughs) what's that you looking at something and how quick can they catch your eye well yeah I mean the reality is as a recruiter I have multiple jobs on my desk at any given time my job is to find the talent to match those jobs so it's not like when you were applying to college and every every individual application had to be looked at as a recruiter I'm looking for the resumes that are standing out in that pile that I can match based on the job description on my desk that is going to, that I'm going to be able to refer to my hiring manager. Mm-hmm. If I have a pile of 500 and 10 of them stand out, I'm going to call those 10 people. Probably I'm going to choose a couple of those to refer. Then I'm done for the day. I get to go home. I don't have to look at the other 490 resumes. Yeah. And that's just the reality of the situation. Well, one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to resumes is the dumbasses who don't (laughs) proofread their resume. Yes. Because if you don't have the fortitude to have either some, I mean, I look at people's resumes all the time just as a, friend you know they'll be like hey can I send you my resume just you know and I'm like oh you're missing a period here or don't put periods and then not have you know like just basic grammatical consistency and make sure that stuff's spelled right because spell check can't tell if you use the wrong word and 
the people that don't do that, it just drives me up the wall because I'm like, okay, how am I going to hire you or recommend you into a role when you're so lazy that you can't even proofread your resume? Especially when it's a detail-oriented position. I love when the objective says detail-oriented yes. and then there's mistakes all through the resume. <laughs> but the biggest word, the most often misspelled word is manager. Oh, you're kidding. Really? Manger. Manager. It, everyone seems to spell it as manger, M-A-N-G-E-R, because it's a word, so spell check isn't picking it up. Yep. And the way you type it, yeah, that letter seems to be left out. But I started keep to entertain myself. Again, I'm looking at 500 resumes a day. i got to find a way to entertain myself. Uh, I started keeping a folder of typos of snapshots of photos. I also have a folder of good resumes mm-hmm. and really bad resumes. Yeah. So you don't want to fall into that that bad pile, okay? I mean, you want to keep be in the good pile, but yeah, you know, typos constantly. I see it also on LinkedIn profiles. Yep, I do too. If real quick, was that marketing manager job you mentioned a couple of weeks ago that no, was no. if you'd have spent five more minutes with them, you'd have known that they were just not right for you. <laughs> was that the job? Um, no, this was actually a role I was hiring for like a couple of years ago. Okay, right. Yeah. If someone listening is hiring for a sales position and they're looking at resumes, give us a couple red flags that they should just toss that one aside. Red flags. Um, short-term employments on a oh resume my gosh. is a concern. Terrifying. Because that would be concerning that, gee, either the person can't hold a job down, mm-hmm. what's going on with that person, or maybe they're a job hopper. So anytime that someone gets hired, it takes them at least three months to get up to speed. It takes time and money to get someone up to speed, to get to do the job that that you want them to do, and really to kind of get some expertise and get the ball rolling. So if you're putting all this time and effort into the three, six-month period, you don't want someone leaving after six months. Now, with COVID, this is a different situation right now. That, And I'm telling people on their resumes to put, let go due to COVID. We had a similar situation in 2007. Uh, So everyone's given (laughs) a grace period for that. But if I start to see three, four, five short-term employments, that becomes an issue. Then we say, okay, what's going on here with this person? Yeah. Yeah. I I would completely agree with that. Um, I always say, you know, you can have one story where you had one bad boss and maybe that was a reason for a, you know, small stint at a place, but you don't you don't get eight bad bosses. Usually you got to turn the finger inwards and say, I am the problem. It's like the guy in the room complaining, nobody's talking to me. It might be you. Yeah, it might be you. Well, and on the flip side, that person still needs to work and still needs to find a job. So then we have to kind of work out a way to market them to employers. And we have to figure out a way to market those those short-term employments so this way they can become hired. Because what, they're never going to hold a job again? No, that's not in, in reality. So we have to figure it out. When you are speaking with one, let's go back to the 10 resumes you kept that day and you look through those. What are some things on there you're looking for? And even when you talk to the two or three people that you decided to do the pre-interview with, what do you need to hear from them that 
tells you, okay, this person may be worth moving on, moving forward in the process? A lot of my companies will be looking for specific experience. So they might be looking for a specific product experience, specific industry experience. But the reality is if I have someone who is a great marketing manager and they have some sort of technical acumen, we can teach product. Mm -hmm. I can't always teach the marketing end. I can't teach a sales personality. That's a, you know, a special type of person right there, but I can teach product or there's a sales or there's a technical staff who that they can bring in for that technical information. Uh, but really it's what can they offer to the company? I interview a lot of people and that's the biggest thing that people miss that. What can they do for them? What can they do for the company? Yeah, it's nice that you're wonderful and you can do all these fantastic things and you have all these awards. Okay, but the reality is if I'm the company and I'm paying money, what can you do for me? How can you hit that ground running? What would you say is the importance of a cover letter? Uh, I think the cover letter is important. It allows you to list two to three highlights why you would be perfect for that job. Not, you know, in general, but focus it on that job description. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't want to read a dissertation. Right. That'll be for the interview, okay? <laughs> when I see all of a sudden a three-page cover letter, guess what? I'm not reading it. Nope. I'm looking to see if that's someone I want to talk to. And then I'm moving on. Again, five seconds, okay? And the faster I go, the faster I make placements, the faster people get hired. It's that simple. For you, how much does um, kind of the marketing presentation of a resume count? Because I've seen, you know, a lot of just kind of the typical resumes that, you know, you did in college where you just type it into a template and, you know, it's formatted correctly. But then now the resumes have your picture and they have graphs and charts and What's your, what's your uh, opinion on that? Okay, we'll start with college resumes. How's that one? Yes. Um, I, I have a little beef about college resumes, okay? Uh, because what I find is the college career services departments have this one-size-fits-all approach. And because of that, none of them are standing out. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of getting lost in the shuffle. So they need to up their game a little bit. Uh in terms of graphics, I don't want to see graphics. I don't want to see a photo. If I want a photo, I'm going to LinkedIn and I can see your photo. Uh, I want the facts. You know, a lot of people will go to resume writers. I don't believe in resume writers. The reality is the resume acts as a writing sample. Mm -hmm. So it needs to be in your voice. So I believe in developing it with someone, okay? But to hand it off to someone else and a resume writer, a lot of times will just add fluff to that resume. I'm looking again for the facts. What can this person do? You know, I wish I had a dollar for every resume that I read, okay, that was a salesperson that, okay, their, their sales margins went up, okay, and, and their costs went down. But at the end of the resume, I have no idea what they sold. I have no idea who they sold it to. And that's really what the companies want to know. That's a good point. Let's go back to, you mentioned LinkedIn. 
let's go back to social media. So Trinity's hiring someone, hiring a marketing or sales position for her company. Let's go back to Hunter Row when you're mm-hmm. doing that. And she gets a resume and it peaks her it it gets her attention. Where does so in today's world, now where does social media fit into her next steps? When I look at a resume, I receive a resume, I check someone's LinkedIn profile right away. I want to see what's going on. Is it matching up with their resume? Uh, what other skills are on there? It also creates a very standardized format because I know where to look for that information versus the resume being all over the place. So the resume is really more detailed than your LinkedIn profile, but I still want to see what activity is going on in LinkedIn. Are they actively searching? Uh, And I can see from their posts and their interests and also their recommendations on LinkedIn. And that's what I'm telling everyone. They're missing a piece of networking that in that recommendation section, they can be giving recommendations to other people, which is giving them visibility because their photos are showing up on other people's profiles. Okay. But also I want to see, are they getting recommendations? How, how interactive are they with others? So that comes into play. Which is more likely to be accurate? or the, the, the true story of them, the resume or the LinkedIn profile? <laughs> um, I think, hmm, that's a tough one. Uh, I think that the LinkedIn profile might be, because it's more visible, it's out there in public, but no, then, then the resume also. And that, that's one thing people need to be realizing, that as they're applying for jobs, when they take the information from LinkedIn or they take the information from a resume and they put it on an application, that's considered a legal document. So I tell people never, ever, never, if, if you learn, learn nothing from today, never lie or fib on that application. We have had applicants lose positions because they told an untruth. We had someone who was three credits short of a degree. He, you know, figured no one was ever going to check. Well, it was a gym class and thought no one would ever check. And they were looking for the degree and it was for a six figure job and big position. They were going to be transferred and they did the company rescinded the offer. Do you? Well, yeah. Cause now you're hiring a liar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you don't know what else they're thinking about. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, that's one in one story. Um, But we've had many stories like that uh, where the company has stopped an interview process because of an untruth being told. When you are hiring for six figure jobs, are you curious to know if they have any kind of background on Twitter and Instagram? Are you looking for personal stuff at that point? Do you care what they put on there? When does that come into play? Uh, I think that comes into play more with the background checks with the company direct. So I might see something on and then consider if I'm going to refer the candidate or not. Uh, But then the company once an offer is made and accepted, they they spend money to do the background check, to do a drug screen, 
And yeah, if they see something that is a little unsavory, they will rescind an offer. But if you don't, if you're, let's say you've got four people in your business, you own it and there's four with you, you're hiring this person, let's just say 40,000 bucks. You're not likely going to find that in a background check or at that level that a Fortune 500 company would do, correct? Well, you want to take the chance mm-hmm. is what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I put up posts all the time um, for job hunting and, and little tips for people. And one of them is don't put it up there if you don't want your grandmother to see it. Yeah. That is exactly, <laughs> that's, that's exactly mother, what I tell okay? people. Yes. If you don't want your grandmother to see it, yep. then take it down. Okay. Social media is this great thing. It's this wonderful platforms. Okay. We can all connect. But, you know, if you're job hunting, why leave it to chance? If there's two candidates up for a job and it's competitive nowadays, why would you take a chance that all of a sudden you have these things that are out there? Pull them down now, save them, put them in the photo album. Yeah. Um, Okay, so switching gears a little bit because I think people knowing – what it takes to be hireable is important as well as how to write a good resume. But I think on the other side, we see a lot of our clients struggling with, okay, I'm growing, I'm ready to bring on a salesperson or I want to grow my team. What would your recommendation be for the best way for them to go about writing a job description? You know, each company has a different description for a different role. I think what they have to do is first define what they're looking for. I mean, I'm convinced that the companies use different titles just to screw with the recruiters, to tell you the (laughs) truth, okay? So this way we're not recruiting out of their companies. Um, But I think they have to define what the role is, but they have to stay flexible. Because what happens is when we do a search, you know, it, it has to be based on what the market will bear based on salary, based on geography, based on responsibilities. So I may come to them with a great candidate, but maybe they don't have 15 years experience. Maybe they have seven years experience, but it's a really great candidate. They ha- we always ask, where are the flexibilities in the role? What is the must? What, are, what, are you, what can you be flexible in? Because there's no such thing as perfect candidates. There's no such thing as perfect jobs. There's no such thing as perfect candidates or companies. Yeah, um, that's a really good point because, you know, I've hired people and or sometimes not hire people, but you're interviewing them and you're like, man, this person's just, they're sharp. They've got their act together. Like, I would hire them for something, but you're just not quite sure what it is yet. (laughs) Exactly. And sometimes we'll speak to the company and they'll change the job description based on the fact that they have this really great candidate. Let's make it work. But I always like to, I like a lot of communication with my client companies because I like to be able to work with them and understand what the role that they're looking for, what, what are the, what responsibilities, what are they looking to achieve? And then I work with them on developing that job description based on what I'm seeing out in the field as well. Yeah. I think a lot of people just miss the mark on, um, putting too many task related items versus personality characteristics. 
Yes. So somebody fits in, like, I mean, going back to your point that you made that I totally agree with in terms of, like, you can train product knowledge. You can't mm-hmm. train someone to be a kind, conscientious, detail-oriented person. <laughs> like, right. they either are or they're not. And, um, you know, you could find somebody that, yeah, they, they're great at spreadsheets and they're great at this and that, but... They're just kind of a dick to all their coworkers like that. You just <laughs> to coin a phrase. Yes. <laughs> that will not be the name of the show. <laughs> we'll find another one, but she's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also sometimes the role becomes too large that they want the person to do all the marketing, all the sales, all the strategy. And sometimes that's not one and the same people. Mm-hmm. It's two different skill sets. And yes, sometimes you can find someone who can handle both skill sets, usually not, but also the job becomes too big for one person. Right. So then so you're just we, setting them up to fail. Exactly. So we really have to kind of define the role. And sometimes, again, we have to have that flexibility that, okay, now that I've communicated with the client company, and that's why I always love to get on the phone directly with the hiring manager to get an understanding of what they're really looking for and then go out and see what's in the marketplace. And then we'll refer one, maybe two candidates and saying, okay, is this on the mark? Where do we need to make adjustments? Because they may not even realize what they're looking for. So we we do present candidates. And from a recruiting standpoint, we work on a qualitative, not quantitative basis. A lot of recruiting companies will just send in resumes and act as a resume service. And they'll send in 20, 30 resumes. We don't do that. It's our job. They pay us a lot of money. It's our job to evaluate those candidates. And if we feel that they're a viable, hireable candidate, that's when we refer them. It's worth your time speaking to this person. One of my future endeavors. (laughs) Just let let me stop you right here, Eileen. There's code in just about every show. And that was code for Trinity always has to have something going on. But like any good small business owner, she's always thinking. So, but that's when she says future endeavor, that's what she means. And we're up to, I think about 18 or 19 for her since we started the podcast. But there's something that I've always wanted to do. And um, I eventually will start a nonprofit that focuses on helping um, women and, and men who were stay-at-home parents that had to exit the workforce that, you know, chose to stay home with their families and then what to do during that time to stay relevant. And then also how do you package yourself to get back into the marketplace? Because um, I, I just, I mean, I saw all these mainly moms, but coming, you know, sending me their resumes and applying for jobs that they were just vastly overqualified for because they didn't know how to go back and get the jobs that they had once done. Um, Well, what's what's happening is they're losing their seniority in in leaving the marketplace, Uh, but also things are changing so drastically and so rapidly. Uh, in in the job uh, force right now, it's a marketing project when you're searching for a job. We're marketing people to employers versus marketing a product or a business or a service to businesses. And you have to think of it as such. 
And the hardest thing to do is to market yourself. So that's why it's helpful to work with someone who understands the marketplace, that we take a look at the skills that they have, because I do work with a lot of women who are re-entering the, the workforce and dads actually. Mm-hmm. And what I'm finding is they've been busy because let me tell you, you have a busy person, okay, or that, that type A personality. They didn't just sit at home eating bonbons while the kids were at school, right. <laughs> okay? Let me tell you, those are your PTO presidents, Okay, those are, they've been volunteering at nonprofits. They've been keeping busy. So there's skills there. We just have to market them differently. And maybe this is a great time for a career change because maybe they went to school for, let's say, biology. And they don't want to do that anymore. That was when they were 18 that they decided on that. So maybe we need to find a new career path based on their interests now. So that's one of the things that I advise people as you're looking. And also, what is your 10-year plan? And there's so, got to be some mom points. And I've, I'll say this till I can't talk anymore. Is the toughest people on the planet are moms, and it's not even close. I would imagine there are some moms that, as you say, went to college for science or whatever their major was, and they got married, got pregnant, stayed home, raised the kids, and they are now gifted enough to move an army through the Sahara (laughs) Desert because they coordinated so many other things, but they don't get the credit from guys in the working world, and that's a shame. Definitely. It is amazing what they do, and and I was a mentor on a first robotics team, so I was a parent president and a mentor, and we had a team of 80 kids. So I was a mom of 80 kids each year and all of the little tasks that go in there. But what's happening is, is that they're not marketing it. So they're not acknowledging those skills of moving the army. Like you're saying, Mike, they're not acknowledging that that was actual real experience and they need to, to capitalize on that. And they're not putting that on their resumes. They're not talking about those experiences. Plus also, where are they marketing it to? What kind of jobs? So maybe we need to shift gears a little bit uh, in terms of job search strategy and how are you presenting yourself and where are you headed next? And if you, there are agendas in a boardroom. But if you don't think there are agendas on a PTA committee, you're nuts. Because oh. mm-hmm. there are people, I'm going to turn this whole school around. Oh, yeah. If you can deal with, with some of those agendas, moms or dads, you got something going on. <laughs> That's more political than anything. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the most political is the Homeowners Association. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> Wherever you go, there's politics. But those, again, most people will be volunteering in some way nowadays. They're not just sitting at home watching soap operas. Okay, they're doing things and they're keeping busy. And we need to market those skills. Okay, and guess what? If you are staying home now, stay current. Yes. That's my recommendation. Don't, don't, while the kids are at school, learn a new software, get a certification, be that lifelong learner. So this way your skills stay up to date when you are ready to reenter the workforce. Yeah. And that's the whole um, 
premise of my future nonprofit <laughs> is providing a platform for people to have the tools to stay um, either within their industry or if they're changing industries, but, you know, knowing what the most common social media platforms are and knowing, you know, the newest version of, because Word is always changing, Google Drive, you know, I have people that will, would send me resumes and they're like, I'm, you know, so, you know, I'm very proficient in Microsoft, but you were proficient in Word 10 years ago. Very a lot has changed. And most people are moving towards using Google Drive and Google Docs, which is its own beast. So, right. Well, we'll have to talk about this after Trinity and we'll get everyone working again. Yes, that is that is one <laughs> of my goals to just make it so people can get back in there. Bringing the world together on yes. our podcast. I like there that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something to be said for what is the break in your resume? You mean if there's a break? Yes. There's something to be said to, to show, let me tell you why I had to break, but let me show you what I've done during the break. Well, and what's interesting, and, and I'm glad you bring that up, because when I see a resume like that, I, I immediately say, okay, obviously someone took a break and, had, and raised the children. Mm -hmm. so, something was going on there, or maybe there was a sickness. Yes. Maybe there was an illness in the family, mm -hmm. and you had a break to take care of elderly parents. There's always an ex a reason, not an excuse, a reason. I tell people to put that on the resume. Mm -hmm. to, let's, let's just address it. Don't try to hide it. Let's address yeah, it. Yeah, because otherwise you know, you're going to think that they were just unemployed and not searching and, or not able to get a job. And right. it's going to come up in the conversation. Mm -hmm. You're right. right. You may as well just put it out there first. Let's put it out there. Took time off to, to have the kids. Maybe your, your spouse, and I'm not saying wife or husband, maybe your spouse kept getting transferred. Maybe you had to work overseas and all mm -hmm. of a sudden you couldn't work. Whatever the case might be, Let's just get it down there. Let's get it out of the out of the way. What did you do in between that time? Okay, but otherwise it becomes a red flag. So I'd rather address the red flags right away. But as soon as I see a gap in employment, that's a red flag to me. Okay, what's going on there? And sometimes I can figure it out. You know what? I, if that's a good person, if they have a good background, I want to speak to them anyway. For a small business owner or a company that is looking to hire. At what point, because, you know, I know a lot of people that do it internally, and then there's others that, um, you know, have whole recruiting departments, but then you have some companies that try to do it themselves, but probably shouldn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> as you have brought on companies that you represent to help them go out and find good people, what has been like the turning points or maybe even signals to them that they should be hiring an outside resource so they get the right person in the right seat? Well, it's no different than any other expertise. You don't have, you don't always do the tiling of your kitchen yourself. You'll bring in an expert. Okay. So it's the same thing in business. Okay. If you need a professional, a, a recruiter will be able to do a couple of things for you. Number one, they'll be able to help you define the role. They have industry knowledge, so they know what's going on. They know what salaries are what, and where you can get talent. A recruiter is able to contact other companies that maybe you are not comfortable contacting. 
you may not be able to afford a talent acquisition dedicated person in your company. Mm -hmm. Okay. That, you know, this is just a one-off job. Maybe you don't have constant hiring, but also by reaching out to a recruiting agency, you can get a specialist. So what do I do all day? I speak to marketing and salespeople. That's it. That's all I do all day. I'm evaluating talent. Okay. So I have a database ready to go that I can reach out to those people based on what you need and based on the geography and based on the salary and based on the level that I can reach out to and get that job filled faster. Which in turn is going to save them money because now they're not going through four bad hires. Plus also a recruitment agency will usually guarantee the employee for 30 to 60 days. So they may not offer a refund, but if that employee all of a sudden doesn't work out for whatever reason, and we've had that happen, I think only twice in 30 years of the company. Okay. But we will replace that position for free. So it gives just an extra layer of comfort. The problem is the small companies don't always see the benefits in terms of paying that, that recruiting fee, but it is well worth its weight in gold because then they're getting top talent, they're getting it faster, it's saving them time, and it's saving them money in the long run. What is the average amount of time a an employee that you place stays with a company versus somebody I might go try to find on my own? Oh, usually a couple of years because we really evaluate that talent and search out the talent. We're not looking for the job hoppers. Uh, and we kind of filter that out. We'll look for people who are really career-based, looking to grow within the company and grow their careers. Excellent. Why would you not? <laughs> right. I could, I could talk resumes and, and weird <laughs> hires all day long. Oh, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a science and an art form. Will you write a book one day with the bad resume folder? <clears throat> black um, out the names. I, yeah, <laughs> I should with with the bad resumes. I did write five books on resume development and interview preparation, uh, just for so based off of all those bad resumes. That here, don't do this, do this, uh, and based on what the recruiters are actually looking for, what they're actually listening for. Oh. The, I, don't, I don't know which would be a better show, what not to do or what to do. <laughs> I do have a folder. I told you I'm keeping a folder of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Man, oh, man. Yeah. Right, and the interview process is a whole other yeah. whole other beast. As we say, so that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where's the best way people can get in touch with you, Eileen? They can get in touch with me on my website, which is marketingsalesresources.com, or for job seekers, it's poundingpavement101.com. Man, so you can help people, like you said, on both ends of the transaction. On both ends. I'm helping companies find and search talent from marketing and sales resources, and I am sharing those inside secrets. So the magician's tricks I'm, sh- I'm sharing all those inside secrets in Pounding Pavement 101 for the job seeker. Awesome. And you cover the entire United States? or do you I s- do. Okay. Actually, globally now. Globally. Awesome. Globally. Very cool. Well, Eileen, it has been awesome getting to know you. I'm sure our listeners are going to 
love these tips. Oh, yes. As well as a couple of good so, laughs. Some the, of the listeners will go, oh, I did that. Oh, yeah, that was me. Oops. Oh, wait. I'm not supposed to have eight jobs in eight years? Yeah. <laughs> I thought we'll that shows that the interviewing I, part next time. Yeah. I thought that that shows I'm versatile if that many companies wanted to hire me. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Well, we also have some exciting news. We have a couple new mastermind groups coming up. So for those of you that are listening that want to check that out, you can go out to our website, wiredtochange.com with the number two, click on events and check out our three great upcoming masterminds. One on clients, one on systems or processes, and one on sales and marketing. Speaking of that is just, most of it is geared towards the sales and marketing plan and the execution of that. But I think we may roll in some information of here's who to look for. And here's some things to look for when you are hiring for that per position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course um, we do have a couple of spots left for one-to-one coaching clients. So if that's in your wheelhouse listeners, or if you know someone, please share us. And of course share this podcast Share with friends because sharing is caring. This, which is what you should do. Eileen, we thank you very much for being on the show and uh, wish you luck in. We don't know where we are on the arc of COVID. We've given up guessing. And I'm Uh, sure that factors into your world. I am just seeing a light at the end of this tunnel. I think by New Year's next year, we'll all be safe and healthy and moving forward. All right. Well, we'll raise a glass to that. Uh, but we thank you being on, for being on and sharing tips with our listeners because I know it's a, a big deal. And it's a hard science to get the right person. Definitely. Thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Well, uh, my name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we'll see everybody next time on our Wired to Change podcast.